Hi everyone, I just wanted to do a quick intro before we start this episode. When we first planned this episode, we had a interview lined up with Alexander Freed, we also had uh, a few reviews we wanted to do, and a quick discussion at the beginning. Well, after we were done recording, we realized that there was way too much content for just one episode. It ended up clocking in at almost two hours, so what we did is we are going to cut this episode in half. So at the end of this episode, you might notice it doesn't really sound like an ending. Well, that's because this is part one of two parts of this long March episode. So look for part two to be coming out uh, shortly, but for now we're only going to have part one, which is going to just have our quick thoughts on the upcoming releases for 2013 as far as books go. Also, we're going to do an interview with Alexander Freed, and then at the end of that interview, we're going to do our quick thoughts on the Lost Sons comics. We also have a great guest host who will be on both parts of this episode, uh, James Floyd from Club Jade. So I just wanted to do this quick intro so you guys knew what was going on, and uh, hopefully you enjoy the episode. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Welcome everyone to the second episode of Star Wars Bookworms, a podcast where we review and discuss all new Star Wars books and comics from Del Rey and Dark Horse. I am your host and co-founder of Star Wars Bookworms, Teresa Delgado, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and co-founder, Aaron Goins. Aaron, how are you? I am good. We have officially done something that many podcasts don't do, and that is actually make it to our second episode. Yay! <laughs> we need a party. And like we said in the last episode, we like to try to have a third, like kind of like a guest host um, whenever we can. So this week we do have someone, and that person is James Floyd from Club Jade. Welcome, James. Hey, how are you guys doing today? We're doing awesome. We're good. Cool. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm glad to be on, and I'm, I'm excited to talk comics. All right, and James, you might, if uh, for you listeners, you might know him on Twitter. I believe his, he's James Jawa, or is it Jawa James? I'm, I'm, I'm James Jawa on Twitter. Apparently there's a Jawa James out there that is a, a, a guy in Indonesia. Apparently Jawa in Indonesian is the, the name for Java, the island. Oh, so, wow. So. Good to know. I also write uh, uh, comic reviews as under the name Gonk for BigShinyRobot.com, and, and so usually I do Star Wars comic reviews every week they come out. Cool. So you did a review for the new Legacy comic then? Yeah. Yep. Can you give us just a quick brief, uh, how'd you like it? I I enjoyed it. it, it I liked that the art style um, by, by Hardman, he has a very different style from Jan Dersima, so it it looks and feels different from the, the older Legacy comics, you know, which is a great way to start a new series, especially with new characters. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see where it's going forward. What did you think of the main character? I'm kind of interested in reading it just because, you know, it is a new female character. Um, I, I think that they're going to try out some new things. I think that, you know, she's definitely a solo. Anya Solo, it, you know, she is descended from the, the, the Han Solo line. Han and Leia, but we don't really know, you know how she ended up where she is. She, she's working as a junk dealer in a really backwater 
outer rim planet. Uh, her, you know, one of her main friends is a Mon Calamari who, who's an engineer slash refugee. Um, and, you know, but she's, she's sharp and she's got the solo charm and she also, you know, is quick to draw a blaster when she needs to. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much she's a chip off the old block versus, versus you know, really establishing a new character and maybe, you know, seeing that the world she lives in, is this the same type of thing or is it something new? And so we'll see new aspects to, to a solo character. Cool. I can't wait to, to read those. Um, here on Star Wars Bookworms, we don't review the comics until they actually collect them into the trade paperback. So mm -hmm. we, will, we won't be actually touching on those for a little while. But um, that's one series I might go ahead and pick up the individual issues. Usually I wait till the trades come out, but... Every once in a while, I'll make a, an, an exception. Well, the first issue just came out this week, so it's a good time to go grab it. So on um, upcoming releases for 2013 that we're just going to talk about briefly, uh, first we've got Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void, which is coming out in May. Is anybody excited about that one? I know I am. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I pretty much read all the books. Um, I've been reading the Dawn of the Jedi comics, and I think that the, the current story arc, the, the Prisoner of Bogan, is pretty exciting. Um, and so, you know, seeing how, how, you know, some other aspects of, of that era in novel form, because, you know, there, some stories make better comics, some stories make better novels. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that one as well. I really like the comics for uh, Dawn of the Jedi, so... I'm interested to read, because comics and, and novels obviously have a different feel, so with comics, you don't necessarily get too deep into the minds of the characters, so I'm hoping that they use some of the same characters in the novel, so you can kind of get a little bit more depth, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Yep. Next up comes out in July, which is Crucible. Um, I don't know much about this one, so I don't know if I'm excited. <laughs> Crucible is the... I guess the next novel in the ongoing storyline in the Star Wars universe, so it would be set after the the latest novel that's come out. It's supposed to be a story about Han, Luke, and Leia um, kind of going on an adventure together. I'm definitely looking forward to this one just because of who's in it and because it's the latest story. And um, it's the they they put out the I guess the synopsis of the book recently and it does seem to have a few odd things in there that I wasn't quite expecting like maybe some something to do with like time and space so I don't know yeah so I don't know it kind of like made me think oh maybe this will be a little bit more odd than I was expecting but they there's some kind of artifact that they find that can actually bend the force or something like that so I just hope it's not an, another case of flow walking <laughs> Right. I, I think anytime they, they try and do things that are a little more science fiction-y, like, you know, alter the, the, the rules of reality, that Star Wars has a lot of trouble making that work right. I agree. So, yeah, that one, I'm, I was more excited before I read that, but I still am excited to see. And, you know, obviously we're getting further into the timeline, which, you know, who knows what's going on with the movies coming out and, you know, how much of the, the EU will be able to... Uh, survive it. So any of these stories that are kind of further out, you know, we don't know how long of a, a life that they're going to have anyways. All right. And then in August, we get Star Wars Kenobi, which Aaron, I know you're excited about. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. He's 
he's probably my favorite. He's definitely my favorite movie character. Um, I love him in the Clone Wars. I love him in the movies, especially the prequels. You know, so I'm definitely excited for a standalone novel of all about Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's going to be cool. Yeah, and I think filling in that time frame of, you know, hey, I'm now on Tatooine. What am I going to do? Luke's a baby. I, I need to have some adventures here. Or, you know, there's new threats that pop up. And, and, you know, as the kind of synopsis points out, balancing out protecting Luke versus dealing with these more immediate dangers to the galaxy. Oh, so what you're saying is that he didn't just spend all his time making sandcastles? Because that's what I thought he did. <laughs> Let's hope not. Okay. Maybe. I'm just some really elaborate ones, and then Tuscan Raiders knock him down and he gets upset. <laughs> That's a really cool image in my head, just so you know. Okay, and then in October, we get the untitled Princess Leia Rebels novel. I'm kind of a little bit nervous about this one, just because Leia's not one of my favorite characters, but I do like her because of the fact that she was one of the first strong female characters in Star Wars, if not the only one for so long. So I wanted to do her justice really badly. That as you say, you know, doing Leia's character justice that that, you know, you know, Brian Wood has been kind of establishing, you know, some new roles for Leia in the ongoing Star Wars comic and, and some people are, are not sure about that. And so, you know, I think, you know, something that captures sort of the classic sense of Leia, but also looking at, you know, the, the modern context and, and seeing, you know, what can we do with her that really works. Definitely, yep. yeah. This is probably the one that's coming out this year that I'm the least excited about. Um, not that I have anything against Princess Leia, but she's just not, she's never been a character that I've been that interested in. So uh, having a novel that's completely focused on her isn't quite as interesting to me. I, I mean, I'll definitely read it. But and it, hopefully it'll surprise me. But as of now, I'm not extremely excited for it. Yeah, I'd honestly, I'd rather have a book that was all about Padme. But uh, see, me, I would that would be worse for me than Leia. <laughs> She's even less interesting to me than Leia. So for this particular episode, we had the pleasure of getting our first author interview, and it was with Alexander Freed. He was a writer on the Old Republic video game from BioWare, as well as an Old Republic comics writer for Dark Horse. He wrote Old Republic Blood of the, Blood of the Empire and Old Republic The Lost Sons. He also did one of the Purge comics called The Tyrant's Fist. So... We're going to let you guys in on some of the stuff that we learned from Alexander Freed, as well as a very cool announcement exclusive to Star Wars Bookworms. All right, we are here with Alexander Freed. Uh, how are you doing today, Alex? I'm doing fantastic. It's a lovely day in Austin. So, Before we get into anything else, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about how you got involved in writing uh, Star Wars comics. Sure. So um, I was, my first project with Bioware was The Old Republic. Before that, I had been uh, doing primarily uh, short stories and pen and paper game design, uh, nothing Star Wars related. But I came on board with Bioware to work on The Old Republic, um, and that was my introduction to Star Wars writing professionally. Um, and after a number of years working on the game, 
um, I had the opportunity to work on one of the uh, tie-in comics. It started out as a webcomic at the time and worked with Dark Horse on that. Um, I worked, I got along fairly well with Dark Horse. Um, I think we were all relatively pleased with the results of the comics. And I've done a couple of Star Wars comics since, uh, both the Uphold Republic tie-ins as well as uh, most recently a uh, Purge miniseries. So how did the idea come about for the comics? Was it in conjunction with the game, you know, the conversation between Dark Horse and Bioware, or um, how did that all come about? Yeah, uh, you know, at, at the start, again, it was sort of primarily a, you know, how can, we, how can we get more interest in the game? How can we have, you know, something cool to get fans involved in the game before it even comes out, get them sort of both filled in on the backstory, but also engaged with the characters. Um, so the first, uh, first comic I worked on, uh, Old Republic tie-in, was Blood of, uh, Blood of the Empire. Um, Lost Sons came out um, right around the time that the game was released, and in both cases it was, you know, let's, let's find some characters that are involved in the game but can have their own story and either give some extra background to the game, or in the case of The Lost Sons, can we tell a story that, the same as the class stories in the game, all run parallel to each other and sort of build up to something greater, can we put a ninth story on top of that that also adds to the overall game storyline? So I came across your blog, or I guess your website, um, alexanderfreed.com, for any listeners out there that want to check it out. And I noticed an article that you wrote called The Imperial Agent, Inspiration and Science Fiction Espionage, Part 1. Do you remember writing that? I do indeed remember writing that. And what I found interesting about it was uh, the very first line of the article says, I wrote the Imperial Agent for Star Wars The Old Republic because no one else wanted it. <laughs> so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. So, you know, to be fair, that was that was me trying to generate a catchy start, but it does have some truth to it. Um, when we sat down to look at, you know, the, the class stories in The Old Republic, and set to figuring out, all right, you know, we've got this team of writers, who's going to write what? Um, you know, because clearly this was a massive amount of content. Um, you know, we needed to divide it between each other, and the class stories seemed like a, a pretty easy dividing line. Um, I ended up uh, wanting the Imperial Agent, you know, as my top choice. We all sort of sat down and listed, all right, but what would I want most? Um, and I was the only one who uh, who had the agent on top of the list. And largely that was because I knew going in with the agent that there weren't a lot of preconceptions attached to it, uh, which I thought would give us a lot more creative freedom in what we wanted to do. So something like the Sith Warrior, the Sith Warrior is very heavily modeled on Darth Vader. And that's fantastic. That means that you know people who go in playing the Sith Warrior are going to get that Darth Vader fantasy that, you know, they can control and they can play on their own terms. Um, but with the Imperial Agent, the, the archetype uh, for that is, you know, it's a lot less grounded in the Star Wars films. We see those officers walking around. We see them occasionally get choked by Vader. We know that, you know, spycraft is a significant behind-the-scenes force in Star Wars. But we don't really know what the life of an Imperial agent would be like. 
Um, and that was very exciting to me because it meant, all right, well, this could go terribly wrong, but we've also got a lot of freedom to sort of come up with, you know, what is what is imperial intelligence like? What's the culture? What sort of moral dilemmas is a character like this going to face? Um, there was a lot of freedom there. Yeah, it's very interesting because that everybody else wanted something else that was kind of already developed in the Star Wars universe. And it makes sense that you would want something that's sort of not, you can go somewhere with it on your own. Um, so how, what's the difference between writing for a game and writing for comics? Uh, well, there, there are so many differences. It's, it's, in some ways it's easier to look at what's actually the same. Um, you know, the, the basics of dialogue and story pacing, you know, that, that's still the same. Um, but the whole way you frame a story from for a video game is you need to frame it from the player perspective and from the perspective of the player's experience, uh, which means that, for example, um, in a comic book or a novel, you can do a story in which the lead character is sort of suffering and miserable throughout, and there are ways to still make that an enjoyable thing to read, Whereas you can't do anything like that for a game because the player is the person who would be suffering and miserable. And most players don't want to play that kind of game, understandably. Um, so the whole way that you think about, you know, what's, what's the protagonist's experience and how do I frame that for the audience um, is vastly, vastly, vastly different between uh, something interactive like a video game and something non-interactive like a comic book. Um, now, there are also, you know, many really nice things um, about each one. So in a comic book, it's really nice to have an unlimited art budget. Um, whereas in the video game, if I want to make a one-off uh, monster that the player fights, that needs to go out to the artists, and they need to build a skeleton for it, and they need to build the model, and there need to be textures, and it's vastly expensive. Whereas building a unique monster in a comic book, it's the same cost as building anything else, right? The the artist, you know, sits down and you know applies his or her wonderful skills to the page, and there it is. Um, and of course, in a game, you get all the you know, wonderful aspects of interactivity. You get to do the conversation trees. You get to make the, the player choices matter. You get to frame it in a way that is going to have probably more emotional impact for a player than it would in a non-interactive medium. So that's that's my short answer to, uh, to what are, what's the difference. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually started playing The Old Republic recently, um, so I kind of understand what you're saying since I've been reading comic books and playing the game now. So, totally get it. Especially from the player's perspective. I don't think I would want to be miserable all the time. <laughs> so, as a writer for the comics, how much input do you have when it comes to, like, the look of a character, the look of a creature, the look of a ship? How much input do you have as the writer, or does a lot of that fall on the artist? So, ideally... I have as little input as I can while still while still getting the idea across. The artist is there because 
they're an artist and they're very good at this and they're very good at designing characters and designing ships and figuring out, you know, how to convey uh, what the writer is intending. Um, so from my perspective, my job is to give the artist the idea that I'm aiming for. So, you know, maybe I, I have a notion that, you know, this is a sleek, dangerous looking uh, ship. And maybe, you know, I have some examples of inspiration um, that, you know, I'm thinking, all right, so here's, it, it kind of looks like um, the Imperial agent ship from the Old Republic, or it kind of looks like a TIE fighter. Um, but ultimately, I don't want to try to give details to the artist because I'm not an artist and it's not going to look very good. Um, you know, my other job in that regard is I have sort of a better high-level picture of what we're going to see across the comic. So um, when it comes to something simple and basic that doesn't really matter, like hair colors, I may still specify it just to make sure that we don't end up with a bunch of characters all with the same hair color in the same place in issue three, even though they were all introduced in different places in issue one and it would have been fine there. Uh, so there are, there are those details that you know, you watch out for, but really, you know, you want the artists to do what they're good at. Makes sense. So, in the comics that you've done for Dark Horse, were any of the characters creations of your own, or were they characters that were already created that they asked you to use, or that were in the video game? Uh, so it's been a pretty good mix. Um, I've done... I've done three series for Dark Horse. Uh, the first one, the protagonist, was drawn pretty directly from the game. It was a character we had in the game, and we wanted to give a backstory to him. Um, so, you know, we, we created some supporting cast around him, but that was very much, all right, take this character um, and build him up. But, of course, no one had seen that character yet before either, because the game hadn't put, come out. And I was on the game's team, so there is there is certainly some control there. Uh, in The Lost Sons, uh, the cast was almost entirely original to the comic. And that was a lot of fun to sort of build. All right, here's, here's these group of characters who need to really feel like Star Wars characters and need to feel like they could hold their own next to, you know, the movie cast. But, you know, who the audience isn't going to be familiar with at all. Um, and then in Purge, it was a Darth Vader story. So it's like, okay, everyone reading this comic is going to know exactly who this main character is and have some very clear ideas of what they expect him to do. And I need to find some way to draw out something new and exciting about Darth Vader and engage him with different sorts of characters. Uh, so, yeah, different different sorts of approaches, and they're all interesting challenges in their own right. And a lot of your characters that were in The Lost Sons um, were used again in the novel Annihilation. So I was wondering, did you have, did you collaborate at all with Drew Carpitian in the writing of that novel? Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't call it collaboration. Um, you know, I, I know Drew well, um, and before he started writing the book, you know, we, we talked um, both about the characters in particular and 
Um, at the time, uh, I believe I was lead writer on uh, The Old Republic, so we talked a lot about, okay, how does this fit into the, to the sort of grand Old Republic story? Um, you know, I, I made sure he had copies of, uh, of all the comics, um, but really in terms of, you know, in terms of details and in terms of even sort of the, the overall arc of the plot, it was what does he feel is going to be a great story. Um, and he, you know, I, he ran the manuscript past me, um, you know, when, when he was done the first draft, but, you know, my comments were very, very minor. And ultimately, you know, those, you know, for that book, those characters were then his, um, just like they were mine for, uh, for The Lost Sons. And it's, you know, it's kind of fun and interesting to see what someone else does with the characters. Um, you know, maybe not every single line was as I would have done it, but I think every single line was a valid take on those characters. And that's part of the exciting thing about working in a shared universe like Star Wars is creating these, these toys and putting them in the toy box and hoping that someone else is going to play with them at some point. That's a really good way to put it, actually. Um, are you familiar at all with the Tales of the Jedi comics? I am. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read them, though. Okay. Um, well, just because they are set in that Old Republic time era, was there any effort from the Old Republic team, either Dark Horse or Bioware, to incorporate some of those elements into the game or the comics? Um, so... Way back when we were starting uh, the Old Republic, you know, years ago at this point, um, you know, we we did a, spend a lot of time looking through. All right, what what are the other you know comics that have been done from this general era? Um, our larger uh, touch point was the original Knights of the Old Republic games, um, which had similar similarly drawn from the uh, from the earlier Dark Horse comics. And we knew that most of our players were going to be more familiar with Knights of the Old Republic than the comics. So, you know, we read the comics, we knew the comics, you know, we kept them in mind, but they weren't what we were designing the game around. Um, and you'll, you'll notice in the game there's actually, uh, not, not just from those, but really from all sorts of uh, comic sources and fairly obscure uh, EU sources, we drop references all over the place. There, there's some references to some really obscure uh, Marvel, Star Wars comic stuff from the 1980s, just because, you know, whenever we'd, we'd find, okay, we need a planet here that does X, or I need to reference some obscure alien species. He's not going to appear in the game, but I just want to have a line of dialogue about it. The first thing we would do would start you know, looking through Star Wars encyclopedias or other uh, reference materials and going, all right, you know, is there anything that fits this already? Um, you know, can I use this little morsel of continuity somewhere? Um, so we, we tried to do a lot of that wherever we could. Um, but again, the, the big touchstone was uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, I love it when authors do that, when they when they decide to use stuff that's already out there because it, it makes it feel familiar. There's a lot of times when you'll be reading, you know, novels or comics and the author likes to create their own alien species or their own planets. And, it, you know, there's so much already out there 
that I like it when the authors, you know, pull from what I already know. There, there is so much out there, and the other, the other aspect of that is, you know, you you look on something like Wikipedia, and you look for, uh, you know, reptilian alien species, and there have got to be several dozen, and the Star Wars universe probably never needs another reptilian alien species. There, there might be some more brilliant ideas out there, and, and that's fine when they come up. But, you know, if I just need to reference, you know, some cold-blooded alien, there's no reason for me to use a new name there. You know, use, use what's been created, use what other writers have come up with, and, you know, try to, try to enrich the universe that's already there rather than just making it bigger and bigger. Alex, do you follow any other particular EU materials? And if you do, what are some of your favorites? Um, on and off, really. I mean, the the one uh, the one author that I've I've really tried to fo follow uh, for a long time um, would be John Ostrander, uh, who of course has done you know tremendous runs on Star Wars stuff, um, on Legacy, on Dawn of the Jedi, on uh, Republic. Uh, I believe was the one prior to Legacy. Um, you know, he's a phenomenal writer. Um, I was actually familiar with him from his non-Star Wars work before he started writing Star Wars work, and I, I followed him over. Um, and I'm, I'm always excited to see, uh, to see what he's doing. Um, other than that, you know, I, I dip in and out uh, as things come, and you know, am excited to sort of see the general path of the of the EU, and and certainly curious to see what's. Uh, going to happen with the, the non-EU Star Wars material, the, the new movies. Oh, good. So you are excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely excited about this. I'm, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do. Yeah, so are we. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone in the world is right now. Yes, yes. It, it'll be interesting to see what ramifications that has on the, the EU as we know it as well. I'm I'm curious about that myself. I have I have no insider knowledge on that. Um, but you know I think you know if I can if I can soapbox for a minute, um, I think it's got to be healthy overall. I mean even in the sort of you know dire doomsayer you know all continuity is going to be destroyed scenarios, it's going to bring a lot of new people and a lot of new interest into that material, and I think that's. You know that's a good thing. Um, the more people who are reading this stuff, the more of it there's going to be, the higher quality it's going to be. Um, so you know, obviously, I, I hope that you know things that I've worked on aren't aren't wiped out. But you know, if if that's the case, they're still out there. There's still the the works that I did, and there's going to be a lot more of it in the future. So how can that be a bad thing? True. Definitely. How can that be a bad thing? <laughs> I'm sure someone can answer that. But. Uh, sure. <laughs> so, Alex, as a Star Wars fan, because I'm assuming you've been a Star Wars fan probably your, your whole life, like the rest of us, um, what does Star Wars mean to you as a fan and also as someone who's, you know, become a part of the universe now? So it's it's interesting because I, I think my answers to those sort of two two questions or, or sub questions are entirely different because what it means to me as a fan, um, you know, Star Wars was when you know when I was growing up, um, you know, I would I would come home from from school as you know a 
a seven-year-old and I would, you know, I would pop in my, you know, beta tape of, you know, uh, Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back and I'd watch a half hour of it after school every day. Like it was, it was very much sort of a part of my life and a part of what, what meant science fiction and what meant sort of big fantastic space opera to me. Um, and I think that's, that's still very much the case. Like Star Wars is really the, the example of something that reaches millions and millions of people with just huge good versus evil conflict and drama and just amazing, fantastic looking stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean to, to make that sound unimpressive because I actually think the, the look of Star Wars and the sounds and everything that's sort of weird and fantastic and wondrous about it that's what makes it such an incredible franchise is, you know, go, going into those, those cantina scenes and seeing 20 different, entirely different types of aliens all making their own weird sounds. That sense of wonder um, is largely what makes Star Wars for me. Um, and then the flip side of that, the, you know, what does it mean to be a part of the universe? Um, for me, that's where I have to step back at a fan to go, okay, you know, I, I love this material, but now that I'm working on it, I need, to, I need to have a little bit of distance and find the best stories that I can tell for this and really feel privileged that I'm working on something that, you know, again, millions and millions of people already have this emotional attachment to. And I want to do right by them, and I want to do right by the franchise. Um, but it can't be about, you know, what what I really want in Star Wars. It has to be what I think Star Wars can be. What what Star Wars as a storytelling tool can do really well, and being being excited about the chance to use this, you know, amazingly rare and amazing tool to build new stories for a new audience. Very cool. I'm glad that you think about the community. That's always nice to hear. Oh, um, ab absolutely. I mean, I, I would not be, I, I don't know where my work life would be uh, without the Star Wars fans, right? Like there, there would be no Old Republic, um, there would be none of those comics if it weren't for the fans who are passionate about this stuff. And every time, every time anyone works on something with the name Star Wars on it, there's this implicit promise to the audience that this is going to be something worthy of the Star Wars name and something that, you know, maybe it's not exactly what the audience is expecting, because you don't want, you know, you don't want every story to be completely predictable, but you want, you want what you're making to be something that a Star Wars fan is going to look at and go, yes, I feel like, you know, that deserved to have the name Star Wars on it, and I'm excited to read it or to play that game. Um, and if you're not thinking about, you know, what that name means and what the audience is looking for, then you really shouldn't be using the Star Wars name. Um, that's you know, you're you're selling your product based up based on that. You should be thinking about the uh, about the fans. 
and appreciating them. And, well, thank you so much, Alex, for giving us some of your time tonight. Before we let you go, though, I w was wondering, are you working on anything currently or have anything planned for uh, some more Star Wars stuff? Um, so I'm working on several non-Star Wars uh, products, some of which I can talk about, some of which I can't. Um, the uh, the uh, third uh, Dragon Age comic book series, which I co-wrote with Dave Gator, um, is out in March. Um, I also worked on the Old Republic's uh, first digital expansion, Rise of the Hut Cartel, which is out uh, sometime this spring. An actual release date hasn't been announced, I don't think. Um, but I can also announce something new. Um, very recently, um, Bioware uh, approached me to come back and work on a small Old Republic-related uh, uh, project for the game. Um, I haven't been at Bioware for a while, but they had something they thought I would be appropriate for, so I've been doing a little writing for uh, the Old Republic video game once again. And I can't give any more detail than that, but um, it's a small, fun little project that will get talked about at some point. It's, it's, it's a growing game, there's lots more content uh, coming, and I now have a small part of that again. Very cool. Well, I, I have not played the game myself, but I know Teresa plays it. I do, so. and I have fun, and it's <laughs> awesome, but I'm not an Imperial agent, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I, a, I'm a Jedi Consular. <laughs> Jedi Consular is an excellent class for people who are really, really into the, uh, the EU, because the, uh, the writer for the, uh, the Consular, um, Joe Berry, was very... Uh, very big on doing her research and making sure to slip in as many uh, as many references to uh, obscure books and comics as she could. Well, she did a great job. <laughs> well, thanks again for uh, talking to us. You're actually our very first author interview for our podcast. So, well, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, for having me on. And how could uh, people find you online? Is there do you have a Twitter account or uh, your website? So people can find me at alexanderfreed.com. Um, I do also have a Twitter that is uh, at Alexander M. Freed. All right. Well, thank you, Alex. It was great talking to you, and hopefully we can talk to you again in the future as you uh, continue to work on Star Wars stuff. I'd love to do that. Thank you so much. So for this episode of Star Wars Bookworms, we're going to be looking at The Old Republic, The Lost Sons. It was written by Alexander Freed, and the artists were Dave Ross and George Freeman. The original release date was March 21st of 2012, and the timeline for it is 3,643 years before the Battle of Yavin. The synopsis for the comics is one of the Republic's elite spies, Theron Shan embarks on an assignment to undercover dark secrets that could shatter the fragile peace with the Sith and plunge the galaxy back into war. An old Jedi, whose name I'm going to mess up, Nagani Zhou, once Theron's mentor and formerly thought lost in Sith territory, has returned quite a bit more peculiar than before he left. Unfortunately, he is the only one who can guide Theron on his mission. 
Quickly, Theron's hands are full with Joe, a troublesome thief, and the Sith who never should have let the old Jedi return to the Republic. So this particular series is the series of Alexander Freed, who is our interview um, for this show. And after reading it, I was really kind of excited to go and play the video game tonight when I get home. Yeah. <laughs> and you had and Teresa, you had to pronounce the the name that you didn't want to pronounce earlier. So I know because I don't want to mess it up. Although we don't really know, I guess, how it's actually pronounced. So maybe I did it right. That's all right. In the Star Wars universe, they pronounce things differently all the time. It's Han and Han, and you know Leah and Leia. So that's fine. There's there's multiple pronunciations for each name. I think. Maybe I should have asked asked Alex that question. Yeah. So, so James, have you read a lot of the Old Republic materials, comics, novels? I have uh, read a lot of the Old Republic. Uh, actually, I guess I've read it all, all the, the comics, the novels. I haven't really played the game much, but, um, you know, I, I you know, just finished Annihilation maybe a few weeks ago, which it actually picks up from the storyline of The Lost Sons in, in that it's the continuing adventures of Theron Shan and uh, Tefeth the, the, the Thief. Um, with the Lost Sons, I found that um, you know the, the overall plot I felt was kind of so-so, but what really shined were the dynamics between the characters, especially between Theron and Tepeth. I, I really liked Tepeth as a character, um, and then the dynamics between now I'm going to have to say it, Nagani Joe, Joe, yeah. and, <laughs> and um, both with with uh, Theron who. You know, Nagani basically raised Theron like a son um, and tried to, you know, teach him in the ways of the Force, except that, you know, Theron's main thing is he doesn't have the Force, even though uh, he is the son of the Grand Master of the Jedi Order very secretly. Um, but then also uh, Nagani's role in uh, kind of helping Tefeth, you know, see a, a larger picture for herself. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the dynamics between the characters. The plot line was kind of like you said, it was sort of so-so, but I guess it sort of made more sense to me since I'm playing the game currently. Um, but I do agree on the the character interactions and the development there, and I really liked how there was sort of like side notes by Theron as if he was sort of narrating the whole thing. So I did like that. I thought that was a neat touch. Yeah, for me personally, I haven't read a lot of the Old Republic stuff yet. Um, I have read some of the comics, and I did read Annihilation. And I really liked how this comic series, The Lost Sons, kind of played as a prequel to Annihilation. Because when I read Annihilation, I didn't really know the characters that well, and I did really like that novel. But now that I've read the comic it makes me understand the characters more and kind of see what happened to them right before the novel, the events of the novel. So I really liked the comics for that purpose. I wasn't a huge fan of the artwork. It was all right for me. It wasn't as good as some of the other stuff out there. Um, a little too cartoony in some panels. But um, I really did like the story. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of cool um, things that went on in there. Um, how did you guys feel about the the character of Darth Mekis? 
I think that's how you pronounce it, the the female Sith who was um, kind of the main villain in the story. Well, my original interpretation of her when I actually saw her, it sort of reminded me, and I know you guys aren't going to know anything about this, and probably most of our readers won't, but she really reminded me of the villain from Sailor Moon, just <laughs> in the way that she's kind of looked and sort of acted. So that was a little bit weird, because I was like, whoa, there are some similarities there for me. But, um, I mean, she's nothing like her at all in the sense of what, you know, how they are in their their own series, but just the way she looked, and I kind of thought she looked sort of robotic, which was sort of odd, but I guess that kind of makes sense considering she made basically robotic Sith warriors. Um, yeah, so and her name, her name is Mechis, which, if I'm pronouncing it right, you know, it kind of has a, you know, that sounding of a name, like a mechanical or mech. So. Wow, I, I don't think I ever caught that, and that, that's that's a really good observation. I, you know, it's been a while since I read The Lost Sons, but um, you know, honestly, she didn't seem to be that important a part of the story for me, other than just being the generic bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think she was just sort of there, like in some panels, you know, and it was sort of weird how they would insert those panels because it wasn't, you know, they'd be talking between. Um, Theron and Nagani or whoever, and then there would be like a Mechis panel. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I liked how they tied in her role though with with Annihilation because in Annihilation they're trying to destroy this ship, um, and I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, and they're trying to destroy this this like massive battleship that's that is putting a lot of damage on the the uh, Republic. And that ship was actually created by Darth Mechis, or like that's kind of what was going on in the comic. Um, so that was kind of a nice tie-in, so I could see where that came from. But yeah, I did... and it, it makes sense, because everything that she tends to make or seems to have her hands on is some sort of mechanical something, like going back to that. Because she made the, what was it called, the like sun razor? Yes. And so... You know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think the name of the ship in Annihilation is the the Ascendant Spear. Is that right, James? Do you remember? That that sounds familiar. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I can I can go grab my my copy of it if if you want. <laughs> no, that's um, fine. Yeah, yeah. So I did like that tie, and and yeah, she was like you know building all these super weapons and stuff. So that was kind of her role. And yeah, uh, a lot of. A lot of super weapons and a lot of things that you know interface between you know people and the machines. That you know the Ascendant Spear can basically be controlled by one Sith Lord, kind of in a chamber that hooks them up to heal the ship. Right. Yep. And I liked. I did like the. My favorite part of the comic was when they took her. When they took her out. When uh. When uh, Theron Sean kind of snuck his way into her, to her little command center there, and uh, he did the little kind of some trickery where he he basically told her that he was the son of a of an important Jedi implying that he was a Jedi himself and they they did a little bit of sleight of hand because in the comic panels they show him uh drop his lightsaber into his hand the the lightsaber that had been given to him even though he didn't want to have a lightsaber um Nagani gave him the lightsaber cuz he said that I think his mother wanted him to have it and so you think, oh, he's going to use a lightsaber to kill her, 
but then he ends up using the, you know, his spy, his little spy weapon where it was like poison dart from his wrist, and it was kind of a nice fake out there. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I do agree. I actually really like the end. So, spoiler alert: um, when he actually went and to see his mother, and then didn't tell her who he was. Yeah, that was a that was a nice touch. I did like that as well. Yeah, and I think that's one of, a very interesting dynamic we don't see much in Star Wars is, you know, probably for the, the reason that we don't, Jedi don't have attachments very often, um, is you know the non-force wielding children of Jedi, and you know how do they cope with? Oh wow, my parents have way cooler powers, and and you know, th we see in the comic that Theron deals with it of like, you know, growing up knowing that everyone else can see something and he's blind essentially. And mm -hmm. that builds up some feelings. Yeah, he knows there's something that he's missing out on, and he's not liking that too much. <laughs> no, but at the same time, the fact that he didn't tell his mother who he was, it was almost as if he was respecting the fact that she is the Grandmaster of the Jedi, and he doesn't want to interrupt, you know, her ability to do her duty. You yeah. know, because he knows that if she knew that that was him, that the attachment thing would become an issue. Overall thoughts on this, guys? I loved it, but, you know, I'm an old Republic person. I don't know. I was, I just kind of felt it was just so-so on, on the whole. I liked Tefeth and um, Theron as characters, but I felt like the story was not quite as good as some of the other Star Wars comics we've gotten at that time. And for me, I started reading the Old Republic comics recently, and I, I wasn't a big fan of as they started, uh, the very beginning of them. Um, but once it got up to this point, this storyline, I really did enjoy it, and I did like it as a prequel to the novel Annihilation. So I did really like it, and um, it wasn't my favorite comic out there, but it was an enjoyable story, um, and I would recommend, especially if you have read Annihilation or you plan to read it, I would definitely recommend uh, to check this one out. Yeah, I would recommend it too if you're planning on playing the Old Republic game or if you've already been playing it and you haven't read it. Uh, I think it would be good for those people too.